Hey, this is Paul Hansen. You're listening to the second segment of the 13th edition of Boss Tone Radio. Today on the line we have Mark Newman, who is one of the world's leading guitar techs. He's toured with an incredible list of uh, bands. Right now he's on tour with the Smashing Pumpkins. So let's pick up where we left off talking to Mark. Let's go back in time. You've worked with Ozzy and some of these really large bands. What's it like being on tour with a guy like Ozzy? Well, that was my first big tour, so it was kind of a snap into reality phase. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Brad and Brad Gills and I used to live across the street from each other. And uh-huh. when he got the Night Ozzy, Ranger guitarist, mm-hmm. he um, took me with him. Oddly enough, I guess I was the only person he you know could trust and was responsible enough, that sort of thing. And uh, That was right after Randy Rhodes died. Right, right. And he didn't really know the circumstances surrounding uh-huh. that, so he wanted somebody, you know, big and trustworthy that would keep an eye on him, you know, <laughs> make sure he came out alive, you know. <laughs> plus, we were good friends. And, uh-huh. So uh, it was a sink or swim situation for me. I remember two weeks into it, or maybe even a week into it, Ozzy threatening, you know, if you don't get together, you're out of here, that type of thing. And Wow. Yep, it wasn't loud enough, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, the different things we tried, oh, uh, interesting to say the least. Well, I remember reading that Brad used, let's see, some type of a digital delay to get kind of a big wide stereo sound. Yeah, it was. Uh, we were using the Boogie Mark II Bs, mm-hmm. which had the relay front end, so they switched quicker. Huh. And we were using the <laughs> Lexicon PCM41. Ah, yeah. Spread them uh-huh. using a kind of a chorus flange delay, a mm-hmm. kind of little between the two mm-hmm. heads feeding out of one of them. We did this a little kind of, wasn't recommended, we'll put it that way, but we wanted to save <laughs> out into the PCM41 into the front end of the second head so that we'd get, you know, tone controls and still work on the second head. Uh-huh. And as a result, it wasn't, you know, the best thing for the, you know, the preamp tube and the second head, but it sounded fun. <laughs> <laughs> I should just mention nowadays with Boss Multi-Effects, it's easy to do that stereotype effect with the GT10 or the GT Pro. And you were asking me about right. the GT Pro earlier. Um, you know, I've got it right here on the screen, oddly enough, and I want to know more about that. The GT Pro is just about like the GT10, but it's got more of what you tech guys would call I.O., you know, ins and outs. Yeah. And, of course, it's a rack piece, you know, fits uh, in a... One, one question, what's the USB cable for that? Is there editing purposes? or? Well, it'll stream USB audio, but it also comes with editing software for your computer. Mm. And it has pictures of the amps and the knobs and where all your settings are, so you can really quickly, easily edit and create your own patches the gt10 streams audio also but it's mainly it's usb is for saving patches you can save thousands of patches and email them to friends and stuff (laughs) (laughs) trade them sell them good as gold yeah (laughs) (laughs) like baseball cards when you work for a lot of different guys you know i try to keep you know Mm -hmm. a disc of what was in that rig so that if it ever comes up again i can go oh Uh yeah that was uh so-and-so you know if i ever work for the person again because i never know absolutely yeah i mean nugent i was you know working with the damn yankees way back and Mm -hmm. now uh, it looks likely i'll go out with him again this summer but uh, i was out with him a couple years ago as well and he just you know you just never know who you're gonna end up back out with (laughs) and ted is such a great front man huh yeah. Boy, I remember he used to get his fender amps feeding back. Just so cool. I saw him a lot oh, of times. And 10-inch speakers. You can imagine how oh. brittle and harsh that was. 
Oh, man, I was there. <laughs> well, yeah, me too. Yeah. Speaking, I, you know, thinking back, uh, all the ear damage I had from that era as a kid. Oh, me too. My ears are really messed up. He's completely deaf in one ear, and mm-hmm. the other ear is not that much better. So, I mean, literally, if he's conversing with you while he's on the phone, he has to pull the phone away from his head to hear you. But Ouch. now, consequently, he wants to try and get all that feedback stuff at a much lower level. Funny thing with my hearing, I can't really hear women very well. That's one of the... Yes, the, the scourge of the 3.5 club. <laughs> You've got that yeah. uh, bell curve at 3.5 where the series uh. dip. For some reason, guitarists really love to crank 4K, and that's the most harsh frequency on the planet. It is brutal. I think working for Gibbons is one thing. Billy really Gibbons, ZZ Top. Not having that 4K, 3.5 mm-hmm. harshness in the tone. All about smooth, mm-hmm. nice, non-offending frequencies is the way you put it. And you'd think with a Telecaster, a Telecaster really kicks out those tones. Yeah, you would think. But, uh-huh. I mean, let's face it. I mean, who do you think of when you think of smooth tone and uh, Gibbons? I mean, the smoothest. But it's all about pulling down those specific frequencies. And with him, mm-hmm. <laughs> the game was that we were reinventing the wheel is what we were actually doing. The, uh-huh. kind of, he'd have a bunch of a circle around him, and it was uh-huh. like cornerstone crew is what we kind of called it. And it was reinventing the wheel. It was trying to make the same tone, the God tone that mm-hmm. he's used to, mm-hmm. but make it smaller and lighter and uh-huh. less of a refrigerator, as he put it. <laughs> you know, this refrigerator-sized rack, you know, he was right. smaller. So he wanted to fit it all in this little tiny rack. Uh-huh. So part of my task was I was like, he was stumped a professor with me. It was uh, uh-huh. come up with a new rig yep. that sounded like Pearly Gates Les Paul, Billy playing it through... A Marshall 900 and a Marshall cabinet. That was the cornerstone sound. That was the key, mm-hmm. and that's what we were trying to make the rig sound like with the newer, smaller, you know, like preamps and power amplifiers, that type of stuff, you know, rack-mounted stuff. Uh-huh. We were trying to reinvent that tone. So consequently, I had three double rigs at one point living on his wing. You mean like three stereo rigs? No, uh, a whole, mm-hmm. a whole mm-hmm. guitar rig. Right. And then a backup guitar rig for that style of whatever it was. <laughs> and then I had three, three full systems sitting out there on the, on the ring. Three double wow. systems. I mean, you know, fully backed up. What year was this, Mark? Uh, Antenna Tour. What is that, 94 or something? Uh-huh. It was interesting. Uh, but it was, the whole idea was write presets on the programmable EQs. There were 29 or 32 bands, I can't remember. <laughs> you would wow. have to, for each guitar, you'd have to have a different preset on that thing to make it sound the same as Pearly Gates Les Paul. So those Telecasters with those, what look like single coil pickups, aren't. And they're, you know, higher output, a lot of extra windings underneath, and a whole lot of EQ wow. and amplitude adjustment on the input of the amplifier, at least at that point. I was kind of thought of Billy Gibbons, you know, just taking a Telecaster and plugging in, but boy, you guys went to a lot of work. There was a period of time where you'd get a whole team going on that every year. Fascinating. Hey, Mark, you're a Seattle guy. You've worked with a lot of Seattle bands. What's it like working with Soundgarden? Really great. I like those guys a lot. Chris, I still run into him every now and again. I ran into him last summer. Man, what a great singer, Chris Cornell. Yeah, he is. And, you know, he's Uh doing songs from all three bands, too. You know, his solo stuff, the Audio Slave stuff, and uh, the Soundgarden stuff. And, you know, consequently, he's got 50-some-odd songs in his set, potential songs for his set. They all know. That's a lot of lyrics. Yeah, you know, and he does, he does great with it. So I, and I think he comes up with the set list usually right before the show. You know, the Soundgarden area, certainly that was the case. 
I think he's still doing that. And I mean, uh-huh. he is, like I said, 50 songs learned with his band right now. His solo band, yep. That they can just pull up at any minute. And uh, it's a strong set, I'm telling you. I got to see a couple of the festival shows. It really makes sense because you can, you know, doing a set list that way because you can feel out the audience and feel the way you feel and adjust the order of the tunes to make sense. Um, it's the same with the Smashing Pumpkins with the exception of this last leg. Mm-hmm. And there were still some changes going on with that. It is a... Generally, it is a completely different set list every single night. So the technical chain wrecks can occur anywhere. <laughs> Where I've got to be two or three places at once, and it just... Yeah. <laughs> so constantly you're switching guitars, and you never know which one's coming up next. And I bet a bunch of the guitars have different tunings, too. There's a lot of that going on, too. On those low tunings, do you use heavier gauge strings? Yes. Like maybe instead of 9 through 42, 10 through 46, if you go down to C, C well, sharp? Well, these are actually a lot heavier than that. Ah. 10 through 48 versus 11 through 52. And then if you go down to C sharp, it would be even... Th- Whatever the set says. I, yeah, I uh-huh. use so many different sets of guitar strings. Oh, I can't man. remember all the gauges anymore. It just doesn't <laughs> matter anymore. It's the yellow set, the purple set, the, you know, the red set, the... That I was going to run you down numbers earlier on. Depending on what numbers you plug into my career, uh-huh. at 28 years, I'm uh-huh. somewhere between 40,000 sets and 55,000 sets of strings changed in my career. You can imagine. And I think I change a lot of strings. Do you still encounter Floyd Roses very often? Um, not as much anymore. Yeah. Do they take you longer to change strings? And with the fine tuners... I've learned to compensate and automatically put the strings tighter than they're supposed to be. They stretch pretty much right down to where they're supposed to be, and then I just do a little with the fine tuners, and I'm done. Do you see many guys using the Boss TU2 uh, floor tuners? Uh, I do, yeah. A lot of the stage tuners, I see them mm-hmm. all the time. Think- um, none of the guys I work for use them, you know, because, well, they got me. Yeah. <laughs> so. You see any other Boss gear out there on the road, Mark? Uh, the recorders a lot. <clears throat> a lot mm-hmm. of pop stars use them backstage and stuff like that, uh, mm-hmm. you know, for writing songs and on their buses and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, the drum machines, I love those. A lot, of, a lot of the bigger pop stars will use that type of rig backstage if they have a backstage rig. So, yeah, and uh, personally, I love those, the V-drum style drums, those modular drums. Oh, yeah. We were using those a lot. And uh, mm-hmm. they're really cool, really versatile, and I really enjoy the toughness of them. Hey, Mark, we're just about out of time. You're really into space exploration. Well, I'm really into that stuff. I've been <laughs> I've been in all the old uh, mission control rooms and all uh. that we saw as kids, you know, with all the Gemini and Apollo and all that stuff. I've been behind that glass. I've been in all those rooms. I've uh. been in all the mock-ups of the space station, and I'm a... Heavy proponents for the space program. Me too. I'm a member of the Planetary Society, the National Space Society, wow. and as I said, heavy advocate for space. Now take us to the next uh, rung on the ladder. It's yeah. going to be Branson because of his uh, space tourism. The uh, rocket ship one guy. Uh, spaceship. spaceship one guy. Right. Yeah. Who you know who funded that? That was Paul Allen, the same right. guy who um, funded the Experience <clears throat> Music Project. Who Talking you about cheating? For. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when that kind of money got behind him, it was like. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for uh, taking the time out and, and being on the Boss podcast here. No problem, man. So um, have a great trip. You're going to be on the road for a little while. It's five weeks this time, and then I think I have two and a half weeks, and then I think I start with Ted again. Well, thanks for being on the show, and have a great trip, Mark. I uh, will. Thanks, uh, thanks for thinking of me.
This is Paul Hansen. Thanks again for listening to Boss Tone Radio. Thanks for using Boss Gear, too. Without you guys out there using our gear, we wouldn't be here. Also, don't forget about our website, BossUS.com. There's always new stuff up there. And you can email us at askboss at BossUS.com. See you later. Yeah.